Blog Talk Radio. I have an emergency. What is your location? Indeed, the war is on. Lord God, we thank you for this very beautiful day that you are the Lord. You are God. You're King of kings and Lord of lords, and you are in control of our world, our lives. Lord God, it is your heart and your desire to deliver us from this evil, present evil one. Lord God, and that of our families, that we look to you for wisdom and counsel on how to rescue those who are perishing. And Lord God, that includes so many that we love and care about, and, and to help us understand how we all get tangled up and how we get uh, held hostage in our own lives. And Lord, how the enemy binds us and, 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 and condemns us and throws guilt at us and tries to keep us uh, bound and shut down. I pray that you give us your eyes to see today, ears to hear, and a heart to understand what you would have us do in these very treacherous and very critical times, days, hours that we're living in. And as we see so many of those that we love being just snuffed out, taken away, suicided, lost, caught up with the darkness, Lord, that you'd give us hope and that you'd give us courage. I thank you also for the promise that you've given us that no, that no weapon formed against us will prosper, that no word said, no deed done, no action taken will be able to be used by the evil one to bring forth any shame, trouble, or reproach so that you would cover each one of us specifically, those who work for us and pray for us and love us and have come to us for help, our children, our families, our loved ones, those we care about, Lord, in our world, that you cover each one with your Uh, your protection in our health and safety in our traveling, our vehicles, our finances, and our property, the work of our hands, and the fruit of our labors, that you'd establish us according to your will and truth, that you complete the work that you've begun in us, God, and that you touch and keep and protect our technical situation that the enemy cannot hack into us today. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Hey, good morning. How are you today? Well, I'm doing well. I'm glad that in your prayer... It's an important prayer to pray that you pray at the beginning of these programs mm-hmm. because there's just the warfare is at every level. Yes. And indeed. we want to guard and we don't want to allow any retaliation right. of the enemy yeah. for what we do in the will of God. You know, and it's interesting. We don't just pray this prayer over our programs. I pretty much I don't know if I I'm not religious about praying it every day, but I do pray it every time I work or go into counseling or do any kind of teaching. Uh, because I want people's eyes to be open, and I think in their ears to hear and their hearts not to fail them for fear, because we are in those days. Last week, we talked about contending for your loved ones, and we're going to continue on with that theme of contending for your loved ones. Last week, we were kind of talking about uh, kind of the what prevention end of it. Well, yeah, th- there is a war against children. If we're talking about children, I well, mean, we there's all a war were against children, huma- yeah. yeah, there's a war against humanity okay. from, from the evil one. But the war against the children, I mean, it starts before it starts in the womb. Right. And, 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 and yeah. um, so, you know, we've got you see the the um, for the kids. Uh, go ahead. Well, I was just thinking, you know, we go ahead. We uh, have specific things that we talked about last time, <clears throat> but we also have um, specific things that we can do now. Uh, and getting right into the idea of 
what that looks like. We go to Jeremiah for a minute. Zechariah, first of all, he well, says. As, as you're going to Jeremiah, yeah. you know, just a little bit about the war against children, just the setting. We talked about this a little bit last time, but just this abortion, you know, mm-hmm. 58 million abortions in America. Now that's that's all out war against children right before they're even born. We've got humanism, evolution, all the entertainment, technological fascination with the phones and the computers and everything, confusion, all kinds of lies. Yeah. And one of the great things is lack of godly parenting. Uh, right. That's, that's uh, you know, and godly parenting is like um, the the protection that God put in place for children to be trained up to be reinforced in righteousness as opposed to being left to themselves. It's like in Zechariah, he says, uh, chapter 10, verse 2, exactly what you're saying. Where the idols speak delusions, the diviners envision lies and tell false dreams. They comfort in vain. Therefore, the people, we could say the children, when their way like sheep, they are in trouble because there is no shepherd or is there, there is no parent. Well, and, and yet God says, he says in the last days, he will pour out his spirit of grace and supplication that they may look to him. And so today we're going to be talking about pouring out that spirit of grace and supplication and going specifically to the throne of grace and mercy. Um, in Jeremiah, he talks about uh, there in, in chapter 30, verse 12, he says, there are, your afflictions are incurable. Your wounds are severe. There is no one to plead your cause that you may be bound up. So we're talking today about pleading the causes for these kids, these children, um, as they grow up as their teenagers, as they become mothers and parents and fathers and broken and corrupted and, and carried off. In well, so many times we deal with, you know, we're, we're praying for kids. And in other words, like the old farmers just say, the horse is already out of the barn. That's not the time to shut the gate. Uh, so what happens a lot of times is that we, with a prevention and, and the, the, the training in righteousness among parents, when you have half the kids in America growing up without a father in the home, mm-hmm. and I don't know what percentage of those ones that do have a father would have a godly father that knows how to uh, uh, train them in the ways of the Lord. And that's the primary responsibility given to fathers, according to yeah, Ephesians provoke chapter not your children. Yeah. yeah, you fathers provoke not your children to wrath or to anger but bring them up in the training and admonition of the Lord. So that's kind of a summary of what we talked about last time. And it's a, it's a deep summary. I mean, there's much, much more to it and you'll have to catch the program from last week. But today we want to look specifically at the sins of the fathers, uh, the generational, you know, defaults that set these children, set all of us up to do certain things in certain ways, believe certain lies and there are certain patterns of demonic judgment. And then understanding as we gather that information, how we can specifically um, address certain specific strongholds and then take those needs before the court of heaven. Uh, because it's, you know, the more specific you are, the more likely you are. When you go hunting, you have to be pretty specific to get that bullet in that, and that, you know, that uh, in, animal in, in order to shoot it. Hit it in the right spot. Yeah. So we're going to be specific today. And I think that, you know, it's kind of like, you know, when you nailed it in prayer, you know, when you've actually broke through, you've nailed it, you've, you've got God's attention. Um, and you, you feel peace that you've got the answer you're looking for. So we're going to look at that. And God has told us already in Jeremiah, he says he knows the plans that he has for us, the thoughts that he thinks towards us, that they're good, they're peace, not evil, to give us a future and a hope. And I think a lot of us, are, our hope and our future, the thought of a hope in the future for our children, for our families, for our relationships has kind of been dimmed or stolen or, or completely snuffed out. And we have to remember, too, that in these days we have to be strong and courageous. So... We can't just look at what it looks like. 
Now, when you look at Jeremiah, how he made his intercessions, how Daniel made their intercessions, if you go to 14 of Jeremiah, chapter 14, verse 7, you'll see God, Jeremiah is pleading with God. He says, O Lord, verse 7, 14, 14, 7, O Lord, though our iniquities defy against us, do it for your name's sake. For our backslidings are many. We have sinned against you. O hope of Israel, his Savior, in the time of trouble. Why should you be like a stranger in the land? Why, he says, why, why are you abandoning us? Why do, you know, um, so he's, going, he's starting out, our iniquities have testified against us. This is an interesting word, testify. So we understand that there's a testimony against us being made somewhere. We know that somewhere is probably in the court of heaven, more than likely. It also can be made a testimony against you, the spirit of guilt and accusation. And the accuser of the brethren can come against your own mind and heart in your own soul to accuse you of various things and make you feel guilty and worthy and hopeless. But this testimony, our sins are testifying against us. So what it looks like is that Satan, the accuser of the brethren is taking before the high court of heaven, the sins that he has gotten us to commit. And, you know, we have made a choice, but he is the one who started it. He's the one who started it. He did it. He deceived us. And so when you have a child, a son or a daughter, that's now, for example, let's just use an example here so we can kind of tie this in. A lot of, lot of uh, we talked about this last time, a lot of people, their children are going off into a gay lifestyle, homosexuality. Mm-hmm. And so when you look at this, you're going to start looking at the iniquities that testify. Again. What was already present? What were the precursors, the predeterminants in their life that already set them up on this course, this particular avenue that, that kind of puts a target on their back and, and makes them more susceptible to these kinds of things. Well, sometimes, you know, parents, you know, we're in Proverbs 22, 6, it says, train up a child in the way she, that they should, he should go, and when he's old, he not depart from it. In other words, it, it means to narrow, to initiate, to discipline, or to dedicate. So sometimes, you know, we don't really, uh, parents, uh, oftentimes we do not, and we're not here just to pick on parents, but uh, we don't discern what's observe, going on. Yeah. We don't observe. Yep. And um, uh, like Yogi Berra said, not Yogi Berra, but Yogi Berra said, you can observe a lot by watching, mm-hmm. studying, mm-hmm. discerning. Who is this child? Wh- what are they dealing with? It, what what are the, the presets on them? What are their giftings? Mm-hmm. And what are the things, what are their vulnerabilities? And that's something that, that parents often do not recognize at all, even after the kids are in adulthood. Well, because the parent is not recognized in, the, in, their, in their own self. The, um, the difficulties, the, the direction, the negative direction, the, the, the demonic lies and pressures that they have come through. And I think that's if we would deal with our own sins as parents, confess our own iniquities and those of our generations past. We're not here to blame our parents and grandparents for anything. We're here to recognize, like, like you said, to, to pay attention to what went wrong in the generations before you, were they a confused bunch? Were they, did they seem to have a, a trouble understanding, comprehending, retaining things? Were they uh, given to mental illness? Were they given to uh, sexual perversions or were they given to being victims of a lot of witchcraft or false accusations, uh, treachery, betrayals, those kinds of things. We, if you would just simply start mother, father, dad, mom, look at your life, look at the right. first yours, then your then your spouse. So you've got your child's or or your friend. Look at the the life that they're coming from, the information that they're coming born into. These are transgressions that they have not committed necessarily, but have been committed already and have not been forgiven. So we see Jeremiah saying this is very important because it's the iniquities. He said 
that are testifying against us. Satan is using old information to build a new case against the child's mind and heart. And if you have got someone who's you know, kind of in that area of sexual uh, promiscuity, uh, sexual perversions, identity, sexual identity crises, don't know if they're a male or a female, then you know it did not start with that child. And, and yes, it's, it's much more uh, exacerbated because they're put in a, an environment, school environments, and, t- and con- the context of social, you know, mores and acceptance and pressures and things. But that was already there. It's, it's unfortunate that the school is helping reinforce the lie for the most part, not every school. But so to look at your own stuff first and see if there was sexual perversion, there was pornography, there was, uh, you know, I mean, a lot of people in the olden days, they were tormented with these things, but they was kept very secret. Nobody, nobody, nobody talked about it, you know, and, uh, and, and many of us, you know, we're not uh, observant because we're not trained. We're not even thinking in terms, exactly. yeah. thinking in these terms mm-hmm. of, of, of what to look at mm-hmm. in our own lives. And then, and then in the lives of our kids, right? And and that not only that, but then add to that what Jeremiah goes on to say in the same chapter fourteen, verse thirteen. He says, "Then I said, Ah, Lord God, he's like making a second intercession to the Lord. Now he's presenting a case here for the the children of Israel who are about to go into captivity, and he is he's reminding God of various things that we also can remind God of that are very in His best interests. Actually, His best interest is, of course, our best interest." Um, then he said, Ah, Lord God, behold, the prophets say to them, you, are, you shall not see the sword, nor shall you have famine, but I, will give, but I will give you assured peace in this place. So these prophets are prophesying false peace, peace and peace and safety and whatever. And that's kind of where we're being lured into today, not to pay attention to the, the, the signs along the road that are giving us warning signs, red flags, uh, false flags, red flags, whatever. And we're, but we're also understanding that we need to discern where we're at. And he said, these prophets are lying and the people are believing him. And the Lord said to me, the prophets prophesy lies in my name. I have not sent them, commanded them or spoken to them. They prophesy to you a false vision, divination, worthless things, and a deceit and the deceit of their heart. Look at what our kids are, what's being prophesied over them, spoken over them, the commercials, the media, the movies. The, the, the friends, you know, they can't let go of their gadgets and their, their iPads and their devices. It's like they go to a party and everybody at the party nowadays is sitting on their little own, own cell phone doing something, not even talking to their friends. It's like they've lost connections with, with you know, reality in that case. But the worthless things, the, the lying things, were, were it's like we're being programmed to this and through this device. And kids are so, so and so are we. You know, it's like everybody is so distracted by their their screen, whatever they're looking at, you know, whatever's you're permitting to come into your life to program you. And that becomes, you know, the, the one that feeds you and it's feeding this, this divination, worthless things. And that is true. You know, that's true in your spirit. Most of that stuff is pretty worthless. And so but the people are being swallowed up in that. And so they don't stop and say, wait a minute, what's the truth here and what do I need to do to to halt this? this descent towards destruction. Yeah. And all this seems to be very, you know, it is very overwhelming. And what about a a parent? You know, they're starting to look at all this. They're starting to observe what's going on. They're starting to wake up. You know, maybe the kids are teenagers or the kids are, are grown and gone. And sometimes there's a realization among parents. It's like, I have really screwed up here. I've missed this. 
and 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 so there's a lot of uh, parents are living in self condemnation. Right. Right. Well, what did I do wrong? I did too many things wrong. They may have done a lot of things wrong, but it's not uh, profitable to live in a bunch of self-condemnation. Right. Or it's a, it's yep. a time to say, okay, let's wake up. Let's do something. Let's make a difference. Mm-hmm. And, and not necessarily what it's, yeah, it's something that you can do, but it's something that the Lord can do. Right. And, and, and getting to that place where we're specifically, like we're talking about targeting these kids in specific prayer and intercession, a mm-hmm. specific strategy from the Lord mm-hmm. to uh, bring them, to release them from the strongholds in their lives. And the key is, as you said, getting uh, us as parents or as intercessors mm-hmm. or members of the family, getting us free so we can uh, yeah. launch these uh, missiles of prayer Again. Uh, yeah. uh, uh, to destroy those strongholds in the, in the lives of our loved ones. Right. And getting set free ourselves is takes a, an act of humility, uh, repentance, um, letting the Lord examine you through his Holy Spirit, not through the condemnation. Many parents have done a pretty crummy job, but the thing is, the good news is you did the very best you could with what you had. Uh, and God is able to make up the difference and all things do work together for good to those who love God. And so it's not like your child is lost because you didn't do something right. Right now, the very fact that you're feeling that way is a, is a mercy of God to bring us, you, to the place of intercession. And so we see that there's a lot against us as parents. There's a lot against us down here. Satan has stirred up a lot of trouble. And then in Jeremiah's third intercession for the children of Israel, so first he's confessing the sins and the iniquities. Then he is, is reminding God that it's, you know, we're in a pretty bad place. There's been a lot of lies. People are all inundated with false prophecies. And then in, the, in verse um, 19, he says, have you utterly rejected Judah? Has your soul hated Zion? Why have you stricken us so that there is no healing for us? We looked for peace, but there was no good, and for a time of healing, and there was trouble. We acknowledge, O oh Lord, our wickedness and the iniquity of our fathers, for we have sinned against you. Do not hate us for your name's sake. Do not disgrace the throne of your glory. Uh, remember, don't break your covenant with us. And many times, you know, God has made a covenant with us, with them, and that covenant is a covenant of peace and restoration. Um, and then he, he reminds them, he reminds God, there's nobody, there's no idols among us that can do what you do. They can't cause rain. They can't give showers. They can't heal us. So it's like calling God and himself to the remembrance that God is with us. And God says in the end of all this uh, prayer in verse chapter 15, verse 21, he says, I will deliver you from the hand of the wicked. I will redeem you from the grip of the terrible. And in Isaiah, he says, um, redeem your children from the grip of the terrible one. The, the, the grip of the terrible one. People, if we could understand right now what that grip of the terrible one, it looks like it looks like rebellion. It looks like witchcraft. It looks like defiance. It looks like blindness, hardness of heart. It looks like there's no hope. Um, just talking again over the weekend to a mother, a distraught mother who has a child who's being ma- manipulated, led into uh, uh, actually prostitution in a very subtle way. It's not like the kid is on the street, you know, you know, waiting for guys to roll down their car window and, and asking them how much they'll pay. It wasn't quite, it's not, it's very subtle. But the thing is, you know, that if the child refuses to listen to your pleading, your, your, your truth, your guidance, at that point, you've got to go directly to the Lord. You can't just keep badgering the child to get them to obey you. You've got to go and do specific things. Number one specific thing is you begin Write it down to confess the sins of your generations, the, 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 the iniquities, 
the sins of the fathers, whatever they are, perversion, sexual affairs, adultery, fornication. If it's a, if it's a sexual sin, look for all the sexual deviant uh, transgressions. If it's a, a sin of addiction, look for all the places where that was violated and what was the result of that uh, alcoholism or that uh, drug use. And a lot of times drug use is there to cover up pain ultimately. So what was the root pain? What was the root injustice? Because a lot of, it all comes from injustice, anger, and um, the, the, you know, trying to make things right or trying to be independent, do your own thing so you won't get hurt. And uh, just to reinforce what you said earlier, too, and uh, you mentioned about Jeremiah and then Daniel, and he confessed before the Lord, Daniel chapter 9, verse uh, 5 and 6, we have sinned and right. committed iniquity. We have done wickedly and rebelled by departing from your precepts and your judgments. Neither have we heeded your servants, the prophets. And we, we've not obeyed the voice of the Lord our God. Mm-hmm. And we have not made our prayer before the Lord our God that we might turn from our iniquities and understand your truth. So this is where it starts. It starts with us. And this is, this is confession. This mm-hmm. is repentance. Mm-hmm. And then you can't really get anywhere until you, you have to come here first. Right. We come to the place of the, well, it actually starts with the revelation of Jesus Christ, a, con, a conviction of the Holy Spirit that right. we have wandered away from God, that we are returning to God, that we ourselves are acknowledging our sins, our prayerlessness, our, our distractibilities, our you know, foolishness, whatever it is. So you begin to confess your sins, looking also through the generations, because you will find people who are sinning, transgressing, breaking the law. We're not looking to blame them, like I said. We're just looking to see what the patterns were. And then the second thing we have to do after we discover and identify those generational sins is to look for the individual agreements because Satan can't just do anything to you he wants. He can't do anything to your child just because, you know, he wants to. There has to be an agreement. Now, the agreement, that's the rule between God and Satan. There must be an agreement. We must, he says in uh, Romans 16, 16, uh, Romans 6, 16, sorry. Whom you yield yourself servant to obey his slave, you become Jesus said. He who commits sin becomes the servant of sin or the slave of sin. So when we're listening to sin and, and follow through and heed it, we become the slave of it. So what are the agreements with the lie, the, the, lie, the, the lie that fear is telling us that allow these? And this is where the real work is done. If you have a child, for example, who's hardened their hearts through the practice of sinning. And as you sin, you get more hardened, you get more uh, seared. Your conscience gets more seared. It gets more you get more disconnected from goodness and God and hope and purity and, and your eyes become blinded because it's too painful to look at it. Your ears become shut because it's too hard to hear it because it's, it's too contrary to your divine nature. So you're sealing off. There's like a big shell of hardness being, you know, you're being encased in this thing. So it's becoming like you're becoming mummified or something. But the, all of this process of hardening, uh, we, we own it. We begin to believe, well, that's for my protection. I don't need to tell you where I'm going. I, you don't need to know about my sexuality. You don't, I don't want you to know because you'll, you'll control me or you'll tell me what to do. So I don't trust you. You're not safe. I'm going to do this myself. Keep it a secret. You know, a lot of these kids are hidden. In, and they, they're confused in the beginning because they've been sexually exploited or abused, even as young people or children. They, they haven't told anybody. And now they just go and trying to figure it out on their own. And as they keep trying to figure it out, it's like, it's like they're bleeding to death as they're trying to get to somewhere to get healed. It's like, you know, what's going to happen. You're probably going to die before you get there because 
they're, they're not, they don't have enough truth. They don't have enough um, transfusions, blood transfusions, hope. They don't have enough deliverance because they're believing too many lies. I'm bad. I'm defiled. I might as well give up. There's no turning back. You know, I, I'm ruined. I've lost my virginity, whatever. And so they just plow down that path. And all you see as a parent, as you see, you know something's wrong. I know mothers who have said to me, I knew. I knew exactly when it happened. And, but I don't know what happened. And I don't know how it changed them, but I know when it happened because they came home differently. They came home with a different look on their face. They came home uh, more secretive. They came home, you know, more, uh, you know, just more uh, ashamed or something. But the mothers and fathers, you can usually tell. And then you, the first question is, okay, were they sexually assaulted? That's the first question that comes to my mind. Okay, what, mm-hmm. what happened to them that went so deep that it caused such a striking uh, contrast. I mean, to how they left the house, they came back totally different. Um, a lot of times when kids start dropping their grades in school, they start losing their uh, attention or desire to do well. You know, they're doing drugs. They're hanging with the wrong kids. They're losing their, you know, straight A status is now in the toilet, whatever. There's something super bad that's happened to them uh, that's turned their heart off or turned their desire, turned their hope off. And so their feelings you know, they, their mouths are shut. They keep the secret. They don't, they don't know how to process it. And, you know, if we don't talk or if we don't write, our, our thoughts just bounce back and forth in our minds and in our imaginations. And, in, you know, we throw in a few other people's opinions and we just keep stirring the pot, stirring the pot. We never speak to articulate what's really going on inside. That's why writing, journaling, and speaking is counseling, getting it out is important. Because how many kids have kept a secret for all their life? And they can't tell their mom, their dad, because they're afraid or ashamed. Mom, dad, you have to be safe enough to talk to. You have to convince them that you love them no matter what they did or no matter what was done to them. Well, that brings up, you know, a specific part of this. And this is a tough issue. We mentioned last week that there at a, at a recent conference, there, was a, there were prayer times. And the most common mm-hmm. prayer request was for, by parents or grandparents that we're talking about kids or grandkids that were going into the homosexual lifestyle. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So w- here we are. We're in a situation right now where we're hearing you know, the the reports where the grip of the terrible, yeah. where three and four year old kids that are born as boys declare to their dad and mom that they are girls and dad and mom say, okay, we'll support you in this. Yeah. Uh, wh- if, if you have a kid that comes to you, with this this deal, whether over their age, mm-hmm. uh, so, well, so many parents. What I'm hearing, they're just saying, "Oh, it's, we'll, go, we'll go along with it. We'll support them because that's the spirit. That's the spirit of our culture uh-huh. right now. That's a, sp- a false spirit of love and support. It's like supporting people in their error, in their bad behavior. In the olden days, uh, good parenting, you could separate out the being from the behavior." And nowadays we kind of mush them together as the devil would have it so that when we are misbehaving, then we're also identified as bad, um, bad little girl, bad little boy did something bad. Therefore, I'm bad. You have to sort that out. Say, My precious child has a soul and they're made in the image of God and they've just been hit hard with a demonic mm-hmm. assault and they need to be defended in the court of heaven. They need to be pleaded for. Uh, you know, you can't maybe plead with them. How many times we, we spend our energy pleading with our child and they don't listen and we need to, and then we get mad and then we separate and then we get the distance gets greater. We need to go and plead to God and say, God, what is the lie? Here's, here's point number three. What is the lie, the individual agreement or the lie that they have made 
that is causing them to act or agree with this or practice this certain behavior? What is the lie? Where did it happen? Lord, show me the event. Usually God will show you right there because he said, my sheep know my voice. You don't have to be a super spiritual prophet or priest or high priest or anything to hear this. You just be one of God's people. And he's, he says, he, my sheep know my voice. So he's going to show you what happened. And then you're going to say the next question, Lord, what, what was the lie? What was the lie that Johnny believed as, as he was in this situation? And then if you imagine, like just go into that emotion, that feeling, that event, that memory, that event, what happened to them, and begin to think about it. Well, what is he going to feel? Confused, uh, alienated, um, ashamed, uh, violated, um, angry, um, whatever else. Sexu- I'm pretty much referring sexually to what happens, but sometimes it can also be uh, cr- cruel punishment, um, unjust beatings and punishments are being blamed for things. And so they're just being raised up in this. It can be an, an environment where this raised up or it can be a, an event. It can be chronic or acute. It can be an event where they just, it was slapped on them. And so now there's lust, there's shame. They're, they're gripped in this, in the spirit of fear, shame, lust, embarrassment, and they're on the torture rack. Oh, they're on the torture rack. And part of it too is pride. This is what we hear about, you know, gay pride. It's like we're proud of something that's an abomination to God, proud of what we should be ashamed of. And so that the spirit of the culture is you, you, there's an arrogance that mm-hmm. comes. That's right. If you, if you say, I want to be a transsexual, it's kind of a cool thing. It's kind of cool thing to be a lesbian, kind of cool thing to be a homosexual these days. And, and the schools reinforce, we need to accept this. Uphold. We don't want to have any bullying. Support. And all that kind of stuff. It's a whole agenda. But you're actually supporting them to go to hell. You're actually, I mean, I'm not saying, I should re- re- rewrite that. You're supporting them in a behavior that could very mu- very likely uh, destroy them. Mm-hmm. Um, not that every, you know, God is the determiner of who goes to heaven and hell. You know, you have to be saved, obviously, to go to heaven. And a lot of these kids have accepted Jesus Christ. And they love Jesus. And this is the craziness of the whole thing. They still love Jesus. How can you love Jesus and practice something that's so averse. Uh, well, you can because you have a soul and you have a spirit. And in your spirit, which is created by God and given to you and the Holy Spirit dwells within you to lead you into all truth, you're still being led and guided by the truth, desiring the truth. But in your soul, which you're giving credence to and heed to, you're being misled by the, the deceivers. And going back to that spirit of pride, pride is from hell. Pride is the covering demon. He's a protector who protects demons who are already holding. So, example, you already are feeling bad, ashamed, you know, vulnerable, uh, a fear of being exposed to something. So you're going to that that on the one side of the torture rack, you've got all that vulnerability and shame. So on the other side of the torture rack, Satan's going to give you a spirit of pride and arrogance to cover up and to make you feel, you know, defend, defend yourself that no one will come near to you. But pride keeps us from repenting or humbling ourselves. It's the opposite of humble. So pride is a spirit that comes in to help the spirit of lust and shame and guilt and perversion hold its position. So you now have two demons after that child, one on each side of the torture, holding him down, so to speak. So when you, <clears throat> when you come to the Lord with this, you're going to have to also deal with that spirit of pride or resistance, blindness or self-defense or defensiveness or, uh, rejection of the truth, all of those things. So we have rebellion on the one side, and 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 on the other side we have rejection. Uh, rebellion comes to protect us from the hurt of being rejected. So we see the primary what we're what we're looking for here primarily is this this intercession. 
prayer and intercession for mm-hmm. for that one. It's it's doing the air war. It's coming against right. the the spiritual darkness, dealing with it in prayer, in intercession. That is is key. Uh, but you know, you get to the point though, where and then and then along with that goes unconditional love. Sometimes we think unconditional love means that we accept the person and we accept the person's sin. We just accept it and say, that's the way it is. That's the way they are, that sort of thing. So here's the issue with parenting. A lot of times, for example, it's that you, you love that child unconditionally Mm -hmm. and and you do that. uh, You do not approve of certain their behaviors and it's time. The mm-hmm. time is to let them know that. But what they do, what they will do, oftentimes, if you say, "I don't approve of the the behavior you're involved with right now, what you're doing, what's going on," and 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 even though they're, and you want to get at the root of that, but when you say when you express disapproval of the behavior, yep. they interpret that as disapproval of them as a person. Right. Right. I, and so yeah. that's that's and they say, you're Tricky. judging me. You're yelling at me. Yeah. Get away from me. Yeah, yeah. And this is very tricky because God loves us unconditionally. That means that there is no expectation he puts upon us to, um, to be perfect, be good, be worthy, deserve it. You know, no amount of good works or legalistic perfection performance. There's no expectation. His love is given freely without condition. Our response to that love is our life and our joy and our, our, our deliverance. But when you have this tricky situation, which everything the devil does is tricky. I mean, okay, so now you're forced to love your child and it looks like you're loving him conditionally. I'm going to love you if you stop saying or doing certain things. If you, if you, I'm going to love you if you behave yourself. But that's but what we really need to go is deeper with our love and say, I love you. I love you no matter what you do because of your soul, because I love you, because you're mine, because you, you're precious, you're, you're a human being with dignity and honor. I love you. But I have to put in this equation, the enemy. If you don't put the, the idea, the concept of spiritual warfare or demons in here, then you'll, you won't have any reason or motivation or explanation to love them with your deep and holy love. At the same time, you're warning them with, you know, uh, for example, a parent whose child runs out into the road and, and almost gets hit by a car or something. You, you love that child to- totally enough to risk your life to go and dive in front of that car to save that child. But that behavior you know, could have got them killed and therefore you are activated, motivated. And some people just slip off into a place of rage because they're so energized and their adrenaline gets going so fast and they actually do the wrong thing by getting so freaked out that their adrenaline is going so fast that they actually yell at the child and terrify the child for when they should be comforting them after they just saved their life. But the thing is, we have to understand that it's not the, the child who's bad. They're doing bad things because they've been deceived. They're making bad choices because they've been pressured and, and believe lies. But the real evil one is the enemy. And now going back to point four, basically, so you've confessed, you've looked at the generational inventory, the generational agreements, the individual agreements. You've begun to recognize the behaviors. Um, you present the sins, confess the sin. But now you have to also, we begin to 
the, the fourth thing I think is to understand how we're going to be attacked. When you start praying for someone to be delivered, you have come on the battle scene. And now don't expect that there's not going to be any bullets shot and aimed towards you. The doubt, the fear, the frustration, uh, you have, and I have got to keep our absolute steady focus on the goodness and heart of God. Because God is with you. God wants this child delivered as much as you do. You cannot look to the right or left. You cannot look at what it feels like or what it looks like or how bad it looks or what's happening out there and the circumstances that are mounting up against you. You have to look and keep your eyes on Jesus. Absolutely. But oftentimes when we start praying, really praying and really interceding now, we're, we're repenting, we're confessed. You know, so, oh, our eyes are open. There's a revelation Jesus has given us about our, the sin where we've missed it. Confess, Lord, sorry, forgive me, deliver me, set me free. And then in going to the battle, oftentimes mm-hmm. what happens is that everything looks worse. Mm-hmm. We start praying. It's like, well, since I started really praying and uh-huh. interceding, all hell is breaking loose. Mm-hmm. Well, maybe that's a good thing. It's breaking loose. Mm-hmm. The strongholds are. And so don't be intimidated by the, ba- the intensification of the battle once you start praying. Or right. the, the attacks and stuff. Because a lot of people say, hey, man, I'm just going to back off. And that's the whole uh-huh. the idea Satan has. He, he wants you to just back off and give it up. Because mm-hmm. we, we're afraid of the, uh, of the, of the, of the warfare. That's right. There's a battle. But the, but the Lord God is the God of escapes. God has made a way of escape for us. All things work together for good. And so that is usually is on your knees, on you know, humbling yourself. And a lot of times when you're under this pressure, you will be start to be, things will start to pop up in your own life that you need to confess or repent. Mm-hmm. And that's helpful because you're starting to break free of the fetters that Satan has put upon you, the snare that you've been held in, whether it's unbelief or uh neglect or ignorance or, um, you know, unreasonable parental expectations. There's maybe some places where you need to begin to forgive, first of all, yourself. And for the disappointment you think you've been to God, well, God is not disappointed because, number one, when a person is disappointed, they're, they're expecting something they didn't get. That's the definition of disappointment. They're expecting something they didn't get. Well, God knows everything. God knew from the foundation of the world exactly what would be doing, going on in your life right now, today, and he's not disappointed because he already knew about it. So he's already prepared for all of these things. So keeping the confidence in the goodness of God and that God is with you. And whether when sins start to come up in your own life and you, you begin to see patterns. Oh, when I was 12, when I was 13, when I was five, I did the same thing. When I was 17, I did the mm-hmm. same. And mm-hmm. so you begin to confess your own sins and recognize that you also and ask God to show you what those lies were so that you can come to the truth because the truth sets us free. So the truth is the antidote for the lie. The lie is the, the, the rope Satan uses to bind you. So um, maybe you're feeling alone. Maybe you're feeling um, uh, unloved, mistreated, uh, a victim, whatever. You, as you begin to go through the process of praying for your own child or children or loved ones or family, or and this goes for also for people who don't have children who are interceding in their own lives or for a, for a, a boss or a friend or a relationship, you say, God, show me, examine me because see that there be no wicked way in me, because if there's a wicked way in you, God's got to get rid of that first so that he can actually move through you to go towards the rescue of your child. So kind of what we need to be aware of is that we're going to be attacked and we're also going to be examined. But, and the thing to recognize too, if you're playing for say family members, 
uh, we're talking specifically about family members. You have an authority there because mm-hmm. they're your kids, they're your grandkids, uh, they're your cousins, your uncles, your aunts, your um, you know brothers, blood, sisters, blood. whatever. You there's an authority that you have there, and we, right. oftentimes we forget. You know, well, all we can do is pray. It's you know they're they're gone. They're just going the wrong way. Mm-hmm. All we can do is pray. Well, some people think, okay, prayer is the last resort rather than a way of life. Yeah. And so the, the James says that the effectual fervent prayer of a righteous man avails much. Right. So the authority and the effectiveness Amen. in prayer is powerful, even though we get in, it gets to be a real fight. It gets right. to be a real tussle a lot of times. But, you know, if, if you're, if you're in the tussle, you know, you're making progress. Right. And, you know, to fight the good fight of faith, like Paul said, lay hold of eternal life. But Jesus also said, I give you power. So I think a lot of people pray by just repeating the problems, you know, in their prayer time or read it off of a list or whatever they do. It's not about repeating the problems. It, it's it's really it's about enforcing the solution. Right. And, and coming against the lie. It's about binding and loosing, binding, whatever Jesus said, whatever Matthew 16 and 16, 16, 16 and 18, 16. Whatever you bind on earth is bound in heaven. Whatever you loose on earth is loosed in heaven. Whatever you permit on earth is permitted in heaven. Whatever you forbid on earth is forbidden in heaven as we pray in the will of God. And, of course, for your child's rescue, you know you are praying in the will of God. And John says if we know that we pray in his will, that we, and we know, then we know he hears us. And if we know that he hears us, we know that we have what, he asked, what we've asked for. So praying in the will of God is really critical but of course you're praying in the will of god you don't even really have to second guess that because it's not god's will that any should perish so we go back to okay examining yourself now go to the place of forgiveness the child has to be forgiven that's probably point four or five on your list depending on how you're writing this down the child must be forgiven you must forgive yourself and you're going to have to forgive the child for not forgiving themselves because satan is holding them in judgment and that is what he's using before the high court of heaven to present his case against them. He's using the evidence of their sin, their agreements, their behaviors. He's using that as evidence. Exhibit A, exhibit B, their sins, their agreements before the high court of heaven. And exhibit C is that they are agreeing, that they agree that they should be judged because they're also holding themselves in judgment because they're listening to another spirit called self-condemnation or self-hatred or guilt or shame or, uh, you know, I'm undeserving of forgiveness. So you as a parent say, I come before you, Lord God, right now, and by an act of my will and with my heart, I release my son, my daughter, from this spirit of self-condemnation, self-hatred and bitterness, unforgiveness towards themselves, self-bitterness. I release them according to your own word. I loose them. I release them from the shame, the guilt that these spirits are holding against them. And I release, whenever you bind, you also should loose. I release the revelation of the love of God, of my love for them. I bind the spirit that tells them that I'm mad at them or that I'm judging them or that they can't come to me. I release into them the revelation of Jesus Christ and a hunger for the word of God or a desire to uh, to bind the spirit of of shame. I bind the spirit of, of, and and by the time they've gotten off into the gay lifestyle where they're, you know, either they're, you know, taking it on, partying with it, marrying somebody, 
cross-dressing, whatever they're doing, sex changes, they've already come into a very deep agreement with these things. But at the same time, they're still inside of that little being, a, a little person who has been made in the image of God. And that's the person we're going after. That's the one that you are praying for, that they will not be lost, that they will not be swept away or carried away with all of what Satan has set up against them as he's pressing his charges against them before the court of heaven. And then next, after you've recognized it is a desperate situation, you present your case. You can present your case as Jeremiah did. You can say, um, Lord, we've sinned. I've confessed my sins. Lord, we've been surrounded by this corrupt God of this world, horrible environment. Uh, and, and God, that what about your reputation? What about your covenant? What about your promises to us? And Lord, call Jesus Christ to testify because he's the faithful witness. And he knows. He knows what Satan did to my child. He knows when he did it, how he did it, how he continues to do it, how he reinforces it. I call Jesus Christ to the, t- to the witness stand to testify on my behalf, on behalf of my child, on behalf of this prayer, on behalf of this intercession. Please call Jesus Christ to testify on your case because he will smash the arguments of the devil. He is your defender. He's your advocate. And the Holy Spirit will help you to draft your, your case. He will to put it together to to articulate it before God, ask the Holy Spirit, say, Holy Spirit, I'm not good at this. You be my defense attorney. Show me how to come before God, humble myself, present my case for my son, my daughter, my, uh, you know, my husband, my wife. It all starts and it is so great that the things that you think are so out of your control and so beyond your control, you still have tons tons of power and things you can do in these matters. It's not lost. It's not hopeless because you are the one God is moving on to take action here. And you are responding to that action. That, and that, that and it's God's important. Request. You're taking action here. And it's important too in this time of process, what uh, of, of interceding for these deep needs of, you know, family, loved ones, so forth. What happens a lot of times is that those that are interceding, a mom, a dad, a grandpa, grandma, whatever, gets gets so debilitated with this. That's all they think about. That's all. It's on them constantly. It's my child is going away, and mm-hmm. my child's in this huge trouble in this perverted lifestyle, or whatever it is, not serving God, hardened, alienated, and it's it's a grief, and it's it's certainly you know cause and you're involved very much in intercession but what happens sometimes is that you get so taken up and debilitated with that and that can be a trick of the enemy too right that you're so taken up with Mm -hmm. johnny or Susie out there that you are debilitated from uh doing whatever else God has you well, doing right. for his kingdom's sake. Well, that's right. And we can't do that either because how many children, you know, um, we've been in a place where you maybe been called into a, a pretty heavy duty ministry. And then God is sending you there and the devil tries to distract you by getting all um, bound up with your child's situation. And so you have to say, Lord, I just, you know, I I'm giving this child to you. I can't go there because it can actually destroy you and everything God has called you to. So we have a lot of brave warriors out there who are going to do God's will and their own houses are not test, uh, technically in order, although it's not their fault. And so, but your child also is being attacked and this is serious. And, but going back to the forgiveness part as well. So when you 
forgive them for not forgiving themselves. I release uh, Johnny, uh, Lord God, um, from the judgments he's making against himself. I forgive him. You said in your word, John 20, 20, whosoever sins you forgive, they're forgiven them. I release him. I forgive him. And Lord, you said, if we forgive, you'd forgive. So now you've, you've, you're obligating yourself to forgive as we're forgiving. I'm forgiving him. I'm forgiving him for not forgiving himself. I'm asking you to forgive me for believing lies when I parented him. Um, and I'm asking you, Lord, to have mercy upon us because you know our enemy. We are no match for the enemy. We were born into this world. We didn't ask to be born into this world. You brought us forth, or you authorized and ordained us to be here, but you've also made that commitment to be the faithful one to keep us, to finish the work you've begun. We're your workmanship. You're beginning to talk to God. We're your workmanship created in Christ Jesus. Um, you are faithful to complete the work you've begun in us, and it's your, it's your problem. We're your problem. You're beginning to turn it back to God and say, God, this is your word. God, this is your promise. Um, and if you have forgiven, then this, after that forgiveness part, you can come boldly and say, and now, I'm, now we're still in the court. So we're not just, you know, we're not just straightening things out and making our case. Now we're going to ask for something. We're going to ask for a judgment to be rendered against the enemy, against the evil one, the thief, the one who's come to steal, kill, and destroy, the one, the liar, the perversion, spirit of perversion. And, you know, even stopping here for a second, if you go back up into the generations, and you see that others were, as you go into this, you're going to begin to see others were violated or defiled or defect, uh, you know, thrown out, out with baby with bathwater, thrown out of their lives, lost their dignity, uh, lost out on their life because of these demonic activities. You begin to bring their cases, their the crimes committed against them before God, so that the you're building a case against Satan and against the devious ones, the spirits of pride or perversion or addictions or rage or meanness or violence or whatever it is, unbelief, doubt, idolatry, uh, anything, whatever's going on, you begin to forgive those people in your generations that also did these things that opened the doors that gave more strength and encouragement, power, empowered the devil, so to speak. And you forgive them and turn the crimes committed against them by the deceiver over to God as well so that it's not just you, your son, your daughter, but now you're dealing with people who may be not even alive anymore and the crimes committed against them. So you're building this crime, a case against the criminal, and you're saying, God, this is his name. And you can name them. And that's what Jesus did. He named them by what they did or by what they held on to. You can, you can say the spirit of, of lust. I, I command the spirit of greed, the spirit of fear, the spirit of shame, the spirit of perversion of, of truth. I, that you will judge them, that the court of heaven will judge them now, that you will go into an emergency session to judge them. I make my appeal all the, the words of the Bible are so filled with court words, testimony, uh, testifying, testament, judgment, justice, vindication, uh, accusation, accuser. I mean, it's, it's like, do you understand that we can't get justice in this world, but we can go to the high court of heaven and get it today? Well, somebody might be listening to all this, and you've given these points very clearly and powerfully. But some people might be listening to this and saying, this is just too much. This is too complicated. Uh-huh. This is too new to me. How can I do this? I don't know. I've never heard any about stuff like this before. Mm-hmm. This is just too much of a deal for me to grab a hold of. Well, you know, it's a lot of stuff, but I'll tell you what here. Let me give you one more point, and then I'll tell you how you can grab a hold of it. After you've got this, you've made your point to God, you've pressed, you've presented your case, you're pressing for the court to do justice, 
and to, to deal with the liar, the deceiver, the one who started this, then as you ask the Lord to cut him off um, and pluck him out and cast him away from your people, then you ask the court to also restore to you uh, everything that's been stolen from you, uh, purity, tation, honor, love, relationship, love and respect between you and your child, blessing, goodness, that this child will again be showered with the love of God and the revelation, his eyes will be open, his ears will be open, that they'll no longer feel disconnected from God. I know we're not, our relationship with God is not based on feelings, but many times that's how we see it. It's, you know, but that they will know that God loves them, that they're reconnected, that they're on fire for God, because a lot of these children, young people, teenagers, young adults that have been so thrown off the, off the road under the bus, are the actual ones that God is going to use for the end days calling. But not, so when we go into that place of asking for the, the restoration of what's been stolen for us, then we begin to, then we say, we wait on the court and say, what does the court declare? You wait for the verdict. Don't just get up and run away. You say, what, Jesus, what is the verdict? You need to know what that verdict is because you need to carry that as your, as, as your strength, as truth, as, as a verification, a confirmation that Jesus Christ has heard you and that he will do what needs to be done. And then that, at that point, you can begin to thank him and praise him. And if you need, if other things come to your mind, this maybe not isn't done at all one 20-minute session. This may be over the course of a week or a day or, or a month. You have other things that come before you. God brings other things to your mind. And you can say that, Lord, bring other things to my mind because it is the Holy Spirit that is going to lead you into all truth. It's not a book or it's not a, a set 10 steps to deliverance, whatever it is doing it as you're led by the spirit. But if you want the general kind of idea and understanding, comprehending of what this is about and how this looks, um, I, I think there's, there's help in, I know at liferecovery.com. You can go there and you can look for the materials there. There's in almost in the back of every manual, there's a bunch of prayers and forgiveness prayers and, and generation breaking generational curses and all this kinds of stuff. Um, it can be very deep and in, in detailed, but God is not a religious dot the I cross the T. If you didn't do it just perfect, he doesn't want to do anything about it. He's not, he's not looking for a loophole so he doesn't have to answer your prayer. God is looking for a reason to say yes. And if you just come there as you are, um, humble yourself, repent, do what he said, call out to Jesus, present your case. God is, he's on your side. He is on your side. It's, fine. it's time for you to be on his side. It's time for you to declare that you are on the Lord's side because up to this point, Satan's claiming you're on his side. And so it's time for you to say, no, I cancel out every agreement my generations have made. I've made with this lie, with fear, with whatever. And I declare I'm on the Lord's side and I go with God and I believe God, no matter what it looks like, I'm trusting you, Jesus. And because you built me to trust you in the first place and stop wallowing, wallowing around in confusion, just quit it. Religious confusion because you broke a law or didn't do a church commandment or you, you weren't perfect or you sinned. That is Satan's trick to get you all tangled up in the law so you don't come to the Lord who is your salvation, who did away with the law, so to speak, in our life so we could walk in God's grace and mercy and forgiveness and do battle. You cannot go to war. Think about it. A soldier, if he's going to go up into the front lines and is his feet are, his ankles are shackled with ropes and cords and cables and his hands are tied. How is he going to go to war? How is he going to use his weapon? How's he going to stand? How's he going to fight? He's all tangled up himself. 
you have to get untangled from all that legalism, all that law, all that I am bad, I sinned. Confess it, get it over with, and be done with it, and receive the deliverance. The sword of God's word can set you free. Because the truth of God's word says, if you don't walk in grace and mercy and forgiveness, then this isn't going to work. You can't be bound in law and serving grace at the same time. Read Romans chapter 11. There's a lot of, a lot of the warfare with this is that if you're praying as a parent or grandparent, you can be caught up in fear and self-condemnation. Those two, two things. Um, right. So, so or, um, yeah, unworthiness, fe- yeah. fear. It's like, well, in a sense, it's like, you see that the way they're going and you see that the way they're going, these kids going, uh, is could be very destructive for them. So you're, you're in a sense, you're awake and you're alarmed because you see what could happen. Mm-hmm. But you can't be living in fear. You've got to come in faith and confidence. Jesus said, uh, uh, we took come, well, Paul, uh, whoever wrote the book of Hebrews, it says there were to come boldly before the throne of grace. So we're to come with boldness. We're, come, we're to come with confidence. And if we, we can diffuse that self-condemnation uh, by that, what we've talked about throughout the program here today is the confession of the iniquities and sins. And then don't, you don't have to keep confessing it over and over and over. Once you've done it, right. you, you move on from that point. You know, it's a, it's a good point to make before the high court of heaven when you're calling Jesus to testify is you say, remind God, the father, that Jesus Christ, according to Isaiah 53, five, he was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. He was chastised for the for our peace was uh, the chastisement of our peace was upon him by his stripes. We're healed. And you can also, you know, say that uh, Jesus Christ became a curse for us in Galatians that we might be set free from the curse using these scriptures and the promises, um, according to Isaiah, again, uh, chapter 54, verse 4, Do not fear, for you will not be ashamed, nor be disgraced, for you will not be put to shame. You will forget the shame of your youth, will not remember the reproach of your widowhood anymore or the abandonment anymore. Then he goes on to say, For a little while I abandoned you. For a mere moment I have forsaken you, in verse 7. But with great mercies I will, will gather you. With a little wrath, I hid my face from you for a moment, but with everlasting kindness, I will have mercy upon you, says the Lord, your Redeemer. You say, well, what is this all about? Why is God doing this? Why is he so back and forth? Why is he so bipolar and double-minded? Does he love me or doesn't he? Because God is, is permitting Satan to test us. God, it, you know, Jesus even said, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Because there has to be the point where God allows the enemy to, you know, try to prove his point to God. And then God steps back in and says, well, Satan, you had your chance, but they're mine. I keep them. I've committed to them. I'm faithful to complete the work I've begun in them. And in verse 13 of that chapter, we have the precious promise. And you can use this before God, too. Every promise you can use is his word. He cannot lie. It's like you get him kind of over a barrel when you say this. 13, you said, Lord God, all of your children will be taught by the Lord, and great will be the peace of your children. In righteousness, you shall be established. You shall be far from oppression. You will not fear and for, from terror, for it shall not come near you. And then he goes on into verse 17, where we say the prayer. No weapon formed against you. That's what you said, Lord. No, you promised. No weapon formed against us will prosper. That every tongue that rises up against us in judgment, including our own tongue, 
including the tongue that speaks against us out of our own soul, that you, Lord God, will condemn. This is the heritage of the servants of the Lord. The heritage is, is forgiveness and complete full pardon. And their righteousness is from me, says the Lord. We are righteous because of Jesus Christ, not because of what we did or do, don't do. Your children have fallen into the mud puddle. It's now time for the Lord to rescue them out of that muddy water, to wash them off and to give them hope, give them a garment of righteousness and the same with you. And so we just want to, you know, wrap this up, but in, uh, encouraging you to check out the websites, um, liferecovery.com and TrueLightChurchMN.org. Yep, True Light Church meets in Dayton, Minnesota every Sunday at 10 o'clock. You're most welcome to come there. And we're having some workshops, so check the calendar for Life Recovery. We've had a couple of workshops already. We're on kind of on the road right now. Um, pretty much every Saturday we're going to be somewhere doing something for the next couple, three Saturdays. So check it out. And, um, you know, the information, any way we can help you, there's phone numbers there. Um, check it out. We do counseling. We do a personal assistance that way. And so give us a call. We thank you for your attention. God bless you. And God bless you. Let me pray for you just a moment. Lord, I pray for those that are listening right now that have been listening to this program. Lord, I pray that they will be bold and they'll be wise. Father God, thank you for forgiveness, for grace, mercy, truth. Bless them as they pray, as they love, as they extend grace and mercy. Uh, and truth to those loved ones that they are very uh, concerned about today. And I just pray that these loved ones, these kids, these grandkids, and these brothers, sisters, aunts, uncles, cousins that have gone astray, that, Lord, that they will be brought to the place of serving you, loving you, and fulfilling the calling that you have for them. Though the enemy has tried to take them out of it, that your purpose will prevail in their lives and that they will be strong and mighty soldiers for you as we are moving in the last of the last of the last days before you return. Thank you, We Jesus. praise you and thank you for that victory, Lord, in grace. Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. God bless you guys. I have an emergency. What is your location? Because there's a war for your soul.